I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. This episode of Live Wire is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving or cleaning, even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey folks, it's Luke. Stay where you are because coming up, Ophira Eisenberg shares some gems of wisdom from her new book, Screw Everyone. I didn't set out to be a slut, frankly. I didn't even realize I was one. I just thought I was being nice. Hey, this is the show that's more than happy to get a pity listen. This is... From the beautiful Alberta Rose Theater in Portland, Oregon, it's Livewire with Ophira Eisenberg. Stephen Tobolowski and music from Storm Large and Rodney Hicks. Plus comedy from our troupe, National Public Rodeo, and our house band, led by Mr. Ralph Huntley. Well, season's greetings, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Live Wire Radio, recorded, as always, in front of a live crowd at the Alberta Rose Theater in Portland, Oregon. I'm your host, Luke Burbank, and we've got a rollicking holiday spectacular for you this week. Ophira Eisenberg is here. She's the host of NPR's Ask Me Another, and she's going to warm your heart with stories of her misadventures in hooking up. There was a room full of hundreds of Garfields. Right, yes, the uh, Garfield plushie enthusiast. Yes. So I learned I didn't like that. Plus, actor and storyteller Stephen Tobolowski shares some wisdom for the ages. Rule number three of using drugs if the dog talks to you, listen. And singers Storm Large and Rodney Hicks will slide down your ear chimneys to share the gift of song. First, though, the holiday season means gift-giving and, in my opinion, maybe even more importantly, gift-receiving, which is where I started things off at the Alberta Rose Theater, telling the crowd about something that's been on my mind this season, about a gift I'm hoping to receive. Take a listen. Uh, It is our Christmas show, and it's going to be a humdinger. This, of course, the time of year when many of us are racing around trying to find kind of that perfect gift for that special someone, and it's, that's been something that's been on my mind, because I have been looking for uh, a very important gift for, to me, a very important person, and that is myself. <laughs> I've been 
looking to buy something and that something is actually a boat. <laughs> I am for some reason obsessed with trying to buy a boat, so much so that every night before I go to bed, I will spend like an hour online looking at pictures of boats. I go to websites like woodyboater.com, which <laughs> interestingly is not a porno site. <laughs> and I'm thinking about it incessantly, these kind of, they're called um, classic motor yachts is what the term is for these old kind of wooden boats from the 50s. And my wife is less into the idea of us buying a boat. Her sort of opinion on the matter is there are way better things we could be spending thousands of dollars on than trying to keep an old creaky wood boat from sinking. Like she wants to spend that money on like health care for us and food. I mean, I guess to each their own is... But I'm not one to really take no for an answer on this kind of stuff. And so I hatched a plan a couple of weeks ago after one or three bottles of wine to buy an $18,000 boat behind my wife's back. Um, yeah, it was not a well-thought-out plan. Um, the thing what I was going to have to do was buy the boat, hide the boat, and then wait until a day when she was in a super good mood and tell her, guess what? We own a boat. And I didn't buy the boat. You'll be happy to hear that I did not buy the boat. But it wasn't for the thousands of obvious reasons I shouldn't have bought the boat. It was because I didn't have $18,000. But it's a weird thing because I recognize intellectually that this is a terrible idea. I have no business trying to buy a boat, but I want to so badly. And I was trying to figure out where that was coming from for me. And I was driving on I-5 in Seattle where I live, and I was looking out on this lake called Lake Union, and I had a kind of an epiphany as to why this has been coming up for me so much. I realized that some part of my brain thinks that if I get the boat... And if I can put it in the middle of that lake, and then if I can be sitting on it, somehow I will be a different person on the boat. I will not be the Luke who is super anxious about things and thinking about all the emails that I haven't, you know, responded to. And I haven't paid my cell phone for two months, and there's like a robot lady thing that keeps calling me, asking me to press one if I'm the financially responsible party for the phone line. <laughs> I feel like if I can be on the boat in the middle of that lake, I won't be that Luke. I'll be this Luke who's just, like, really centered and, like, okay with feeling my feelings, <laughs> you know? Because I don't know how to actually do that for myself, and so I want to try to, like, construct this framework around me that will force me into being that other kind of person. And I was... Um, it's, by the way, a terrible idea for changing how you are as a person, which was pointed out to me by my therapist this week. Um, you would really think that, like, the fact that I come here every week and share the boring details of my life with a room full of people, you'd think that would be enough, like, talking about myself for me in a week. But I leave here, and on Monday, I pay a lady $100 an hour to tell her essentially the same stuff that I'm telling you guys.
Um, but what, <clears throat> what she suggested was uh, instead of destroying my marriage uh, with a secret boat purchase, <laughs> maybe what I w should explore is building a boat in my living room, an imaginary boat. I've actually been doing this, right? I have been, when I'm feeling anxious and when I'm feeling all of that stuff that goes on in all of our lives that I don't want to be feeling, I'm just kind of, I'm constructing this little imaginary boat and I'm like hanging out on it for five minutes or 10 minutes or however long I need to. And it's actually had a pretty big impact on me this week, just the act of doing this. Um, so I guess, you know, it's the holidays, which are a fun time of year, but it's very stressful too. I would just say, you might want to think about a little imaginary boat or <laughs> kayak or a hot air balloon. I don't know you. I don't know what kind of weird <laughs> you're into. Um, and I mentioned that whole thing to kind of let you know that if at some point during the show, I'm on stage doing an interview and it is just going down in flames, but I have this like really serene look on my face. It's because <laughs> I'm on a boat somewhere listening to like Christmas music, okay? Uh, speaking of Christmas music, you guys want to get rolling with the show? All right. Our musical guest tonight has a pretty interesting career trajectory. She's gone from humble and sweaty beginnings singing in San Francisco punk clubs to touring the world as co-lead singer of the band Pink Martini, not to mention her turns as a solo performer with various symphonies. Here with a holiday classic, please welcome Storm Large to Livewire.
That was Storm Large, right here on Livewire Radio. Livewire urging you this year to consider replacing Santa's milk and cookies with maybe a nice tall pour of bourbon, because if we are being totally serious, milk and cookies is sort of no help when uh, you, I mean Santa, is trying to assemble like a stupid bike that doesn't want to go together, and look, Jimmy, I don't know why Santa didn't put a front wheel on it, but that's just how he brought it. So anyway, Merry Christmas from Livewire. Okay, kids, settle down. Peter, noses are for smelling, okay? Not that. All right. Now, class, I hope you worked extra hard on your nativity scenes this week because we have a very special guest coming in to see them. He's from Project Runway. Mr. Tim Gunn! Hi, Tim Gunn! Oh, my. Well, hello. What a wonderful greeting. Hi, kids. Thank you so much for being here, Tim. It's my pleasure, Kathy. So, I hear there's some beautiful nativity scenes you kids have made for Christmas time. Wonderful. This one is Sarah's. Hi, Sarah. Wait, seriously, you made this? Yeah. It's smashing. I mean, look at all these little sheeps uh-huh. and the three wise kings and their little crowns. It's just precious. I'm definitely not bored. Thank you. <laughs> and this is Billy's. Oh, my God. Billy, are you sure you're not a professional scenic designer moonlighting as a third grader? No. Because this is so good. With the straw and these little mountains. The only thing I would say, and I'm sure you probably already know this. No. Okay. I just think that what you have the third wise king wearing is just a little matchy-matchy. Uh-huh. Well, I get that everyone wore oatmeal-colored robes back then, but that's no excuse to put that cowl over that robe, Okay. And Joseph just looks like a cat scratch post, all right? And it's just leaving me scratching my head. Well, I didn't really have much to work with. Billy, I once saw a designer make a wedding gown out of nothing but popsicle sticks and a tube of wasabi. Make it work. 
What do you say, Billy? Thank you, Tim Gunn. Okay. Well, now we have <laughs> Dominic. I think you might find this interesting. Hi, Dominic. Hello, Tim. Wow. <laughs> this is, uh, I don't even know what to say. You like it? Well, your choice to have Mary in a little black dress is a little bizarre. Well, I know it seems cliche at first glance, but I wanted something fundamental, given the seminal nature of the nativity. Okay. Uh, and a polka dot jumper for the baby Jesus? Oh, polka dots are very on trend this winter. All right. Uh, well, well, I'm also a little confused by these maudlin chiffon tops on the onlookers. It's just not really making sense. It's funny you should say that. I'm a bit bewildered myself as to why you would couple cambric socks with a pair of leather monk slip-ons. <sighs> Excuse me? What are you, like, seven? Well, I'm not too young to be befuddled by your choice of a teal ascot with a burgundy pinstripe. Very, very grandpa chic. Yeah? Yeah, well, I guess you're never too old to be perplexed by your choice of charcoal knickerbockers in 2013. Who are you, little Lord Fauntleroy? <laughs> More like little Lord flummoxed by those last season cufflinks. <sighs> Well, speaking of last season, the baffled Cordura straps on that boat neck you're wearing are literally baffling. Did your mom take you bin shopping? I don't know. Were we at your house? Okay, That's it! Okay. That is okay, it! Uh, all right. Thank you so much, Tim. Everyone say thank you, Tim Gunn. Thank, thank you, Tim, Tim Gunn. And what's with the fishtail gowns on the three wise men? That's completely confusing. Okay, oh, okay. Uh, thanks, Tim. Oh, get your hands off me, Kathy. What are those jeggings? My God, what are you teaching these kids? That was Andrew Harris, Sean McGrath, Laura Faye Smith, and Courtney Hameister. This is Livewire Radio. Stay tuned. When we come back, ask me another host, Ophira Eisenberg, actor and host of The Tobolowski Files, Stephen Tobolowski, plus music from Rodney Hicks and Storm Large. We'll be right back. Livewire podcast is sponsored in part by Ergo Depot, who knows that you sit hard all day, but asks if maybe you could be sitting smarter. 
Ergo Depot's client list includes Harvard, Stanford, and Columbia University. And you can bet those Einsteins don't sit on poorly designed chairs. Ergo Depot's line of sit and stand desks, saddle seats, and kneeling chairs are all specifically designed for comfort, health, and ease of use. And you don't even have to wear your smarty pants to sit on them. But it doesn't hurt. For more information, check out ergodepot.com. Ophira, welcome to Livewire. Thanks so much, Luke. Um, uh, the book was hilarious and very, very blunt. <laughs> um, do you feel like your free-spiritedness as a youngster, or at least your adventurousness, I mean, was that something that set you on a path throughout your life of being adventurous when it came to the kind of guys that you were interested in slash willing to tolerate? <laughs> Right. I think that I, 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 thrill, I went thrill-seeking through relationships. That's what I did. I knew that I was not someone who had the... Uh, I, I didn't want to jump out of a plane. I was too scared of nature. Um, I wasn't going to be a great diver. And so I wanted to have adventures with relationships. And if you say yes enough times, you will go on an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I didn't really know what I liked, so I thought, well, if I, just, if I just keep saying yes to people and try different people, at least I'll figure out what I don't like. Right? Yeah. Like the, uh, you, you made mention of the Garfield guy. Right, yes, the uh, Garfield plushy enthusiast. Yes. So I learned I didn't like that. <laughs> um, I mean, this is still public radio after all, so I don't know how delicate we have to be, but how far into the procedure did you get before you realized you were not for the Garfield plushie set? Like, well, did you look <laughs> over his shoulder and see a shelf of Garfields menacing you? It was, it was, uh, it was a surprise. But basically, we had gone back to his apartment, uh, and the door to his bedroom was closed, and we were, things were sort of heating up. And right before he opened the door, he said to me, would you like to see something special? <laughs> right, you know now, what? <laughs> After that question, nobody's ever held up a Nobel Prize, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or like an, an amazing original, like, you know, painting or something. It's usually right. something along the lines of a Garfield fetish. But actually, my, as the door, I was sort of like, of course. And then as the door's opening, my mind started going, you know, what am I actually dealing with? Is it another man or a dead body or bunk beds? Like, I didn't know... <laughs> how bad it was, but it was a room full of Garfields. That's what I got, a room full of hundreds of Garfields, which I did not understand, mm-hmm. right? I was like, maybe I'll, if maybe I do he, well, I'll get one. And, uh, maybe he just... <laughs> You're like at the state fair of one-night stands. I'm not going to walk away with a keychain. No way. I don't want one of those mirrors that has Motley Crue like around the outside of it. I want oh, a I legit them. stuffed animal. This is Livewire Radio. We're talking to Ophira Eisenberg. Her new book is Screw Everyone, Sleeping My Way to Monogamy. I, I was wondering, reading this book, what you think all of this flirting and hooking up was doing for you? How did it serve you, as a therapist might ask? Oh, yeah, as a therapist might ask. Uh, it was fun. 
I, uh, I really like men, so I enjoy their company. I always have. So on that level, it was feeding that. I really did, like, I sort of found myself through dating all these different guys. And every, all, uh, most of the guys were great, and every single one of them gave me, I would say, a little nugget of something useful. I learned a little something. I feel like everyone I took a little something from, some of them took things from me. What, what was the hookup that you regretted maybe the most? Because, I mean, I know you took them as teachable moments, but yeah. was there one? Because the, 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 the narrative in the book seems to be Ophira meets a guy, Ophira makes a questionable decision about spending time with a guy, Ophira kind of regrets it, but then she learns some lesson from it. Were there any that there was no lesson to learn? You were just like, gross. <laughs> Uh, the, you know, the Garfield one, I will say, because it, it was empty, it was a very empty experience, and although, you know, I'd had long relationships, short relationships, some one-night stands, but all varying lengths, that one was empty, and because of that, it was kind of the hardest, because everyone, there was, as long as there was a little thread of emotion or a connection, usually, you know, it made for a, a decent experience, but that guy clearly loved, um, Lasagna. <laughs> well, we know, uh, <laughs> we know for a fact he hated Mondays. He hates Mondays. Yeah, but um, um, yeah, it was so bad that during the actual act, I made resolutions for the rest of my life. I don't know <laughs> if everyone's ever been there, but uh, yeah, I was like, whoa, tomorrow I'm gonna, you know, go to find the gym and uh, <laughs> or just find someone who's really into Odie. <laughs> right, the counterpart. Yeah, and then get them to meet the the. The silver lining in the book is that you, you are married now to a guy who sounds lovely, who I met earlier. Yes. And so this, it sounds like to you, this all sort of accreted to being more able to be in a real relationship. But to me, the burning question was, how does your husband feel about this book? Uh, yeah, well, he, so he, he, he knew me. Before the book, so that was a bonus. So he knew a lot of the stories. And then when I wrote the book, for the most part, he was super cool about it. There were a couple chapters about him that he wanted to review, which I agreed. And he, we said, you know, if you have any changes, I will take them to heart. And then he had some changes, and I did not make them. Because <laughs> that is the right, that is compromise in marriage. That's how it works. Ophira Eisenberg, ladies and gentlemen. That was Ophira Eisenberg. Her book is Screw Everyone, Sleeping My Way to Monogamy. You are listening to Livewire, which is sponsored in part by Whole Foods Market. You know, months like March and August. They can't even muster a decent holiday between the two of them. Meanwhile, December is jam-packed with seasonal celebrations. And the odds are you are going to be on the hook to throw some kind of gathering. And that, my friends, is where Whole Foods comes in. They've got a wide range of healthy organic appetizers for your guests and also for you to shame eat by the handful while you're cleaning after they've gone home. (laughs) However you want to do that. More information available at WholeFoodsMarket.com. Sorry to keep you waiting. We've done a thorough examination of your vehicle and have found quite a lot of seizable items. In addition to that, your lack of a passport or proper identification means you are being detained pending investigation into country of origin or your intentions here in the United States. (laughs) But I keep telling you, I'm Santa Claus. 
So you keep saying. Sir, you are carrying over $2 billion worth of electronics, $500 million in toys and clothing, and over 10,000 live puppy dogs. <laughs> it's what the children are asking for. Uh-huh. Purebred puppies, no less. And I don't suppose you have an equine license for the Shetland pony we found? Little Andrea Nietzsche in San Francisco has been a good little girl. What am I supposed to do? Well, not ferry live animals without proper permitting. That's what. Near the bottom of the sack, we also found several kilos of uncut Colombian cocaine. I'm, I'm sorry, mister, but Ryan Schultz of St. Louis Park specifically asked Okay, wait, 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 wait. You're delivering drugs to a child. Oh, no, no. Ryan Schultz is 32 years old, but he never stopped believing in me. He stayed away from dogfights all year long. Okay, I okay, sir, I, I have heard enough. You are in violation of Articles 2 through 16 of the United States Customs Laws. You have the right you to... You look familiar. Your name isn't Don, is it? Little Donnie Bender? Okay, you, you just read that off my name badge. Did I also read off your badge that you used to live at 404 Carpenter Avenue in the Bronx? I, well, I, 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 I may... haven't gotten a list from you in quite a while, Donnie. Santa, all I wanted was a New York Yankee hat, okay? I opened up the box and it was a Boston Red Sox hat. Uh, the Red Sox! How dare you, sir? How dare you? I'm sorry, Donnie. 1978 was a rough year. We had a filing screw-up with the B-names. Plus, that was the year Sony unveiled the Walkman. It was insane. I thought maybe it was a joke and there was a Yankee hat in another box. But now, the Red Sox. People love the Sox. Everyone loves an underdog. They won like three World Series in the last eight years. How is that an underdog? It was a terrible mistake and I hope that one day you'll forgive me. You know, little Donnie, even though you stopped believing in me, I never stopped believing in you. Here, I, I think I have something in my coat that might right the wrongs of old. A Mets hat? It's, it's New York, though. It's basically the same thing, right? Please remove the suit, sir. I will be conducting a full body cavity search. That was Sean McGrath and Andrew Santa Claus Harris. You're listening to Live Wire Radio. I'm Luke Burbank. You know holiday gatherings are full of stories, but let's be honest, a lot of them ain't that good. Meanwhile, if you had Stephen Tobolowsky at your office Christmas party, things would be very different. Tobolowsky is one of the most respected character actors out there. He's been in over 200 films and TV shows, including Mississippi Burning, Glee, The Mindy Project, and maybe his most memorable role as Ned Needlenose Ryerson from Groundhog Day. A truly gifted storyteller, he now has his own podcast, The Tobolowski Files, and he's just released a new digital book called Cautionary Tales. Please welcome Stephen Tobolowski to Livewire. This is a true story called Listen to the Dog. It was Christmas Eve in Topanga, 1979. It was a party of about 12 friends. We had turkey with all the trimmings 
apple pie, bottles of wine, homemade jalapeno jam. We were sitting around the fire drinking buckets of cowboy coffee, listening to Blood on the Tracks, when Joe came out from the kitchen smiling, attention everyone, I have an announcement to make. We paused in our merriment. My Christmas gift to you all has come a little early. To brighten your holiday, I put LSD in all of your coffees. I stared into my now empty coffee mug. I was not pleased. Sidebar. You have to understand I've never been an advocate for drugs, not even in college, not even in the late 60s. People who did drugs back then, they, they didn't bathe regularly. They missed a lot of classes. They wore odd clothing combinations like t-shirts and top hats. They listened to lots of FM radio. It all scared me. Later in grad school, I learned the main reason why people did drugs was to watch something called Monty Python's Flying Circus. <laughs> I had no idea. So in 1975, I succumbed to peer pressure and smoked something called hash, and I watched the program. Mercifully, the hash had no effect that time. It had no effect the next week either. The third week, it had an effect. The couch I was sitting on turned into a large, toothless mouth covered with cat hair. It swallowed me whole, and I slid down an upholstered esophagus and landed into the stomach of hell. My first high. You would think I would be reticent to do drugs again, but I did. First rule of drug use. There is no experience bad enough, no decision boneheaded enough that it cannot be revisited. Often... I counted myself as one of the lucky ones. The only long-term effects I had with those Saturday evenings with the hash pipe was that I did start listening to a lot more FM radio. <laughs> but I digress. Twas the night before Christmas. I had a, drunk a mug of LSD, and I was furious that I had been ambushed over the holidays, and I wasn't even visiting my parents. My pal Joe, who put the acid in my coffee, told me I should calm down. Go with the flow, otherwise my negative emotions could make the next few hours very unpleasant. <laughs> this pep talk spawned a new truckload of negative emotions. <laughs> it was way too much flow, and that's when I realized my brain was getting too big for my skull and my eyes were about to pop out of the front of my face. I mentioned this to our hostess who was staring at a row of jelly jars in her kitchen. She stopped and turned to me and said, cool, <laughs> you're starting to rush. I said, rush? Yeah, it could get pretty intense. Intense? Yeah. Is that intense good like sex or intense bad like stepping on a tack? <laughs> she pondered the question, weighing many unseen variables. It's just, well, it is. It's intense. Rule number two of taking drugs. There is no statement meaningless enough that it cannot be construed as folk wisdom. 
My hostess advised that I needed to get in a cool, dark place for a while, pretend like I was a crock of pickles or a salamander. <laughs> this sounded good to me. Always liked salamanders. She led me to the back bathroom. I was now crawling on all fours. She wrapped a wet blue towel around my head like a turban and suggested I curl around the base of the toilet, which was especially cool and dark. She turned out the lights and closed the door. Complete and utter blackness. I don't know how long I was hugging that toilet. Seemed like centuries. I needed some air, so I crawled out and headed for the back porch. I opened the screen door, and there was the dog of the house. His name was Manny Moore. He was one of those shepherd mixed dogs that wore a red bandana, rode in the back of pickup trucks. I didn't know him very well. A couple of pats on the head here and there, maybe a potato chip passed under the table. But I felt like there was no time like the present to change all that. I began talking to him. I said, Manny, you are so wise, so noble. I know we haven't spent a lot of time together, but I wanted to take this opportunity here on this beautiful night to let you know how much I envy your tranquility, your peace of mind. Manny turned to me and said, Stephen, I have no peace of mind. You have no idea what you're talking about. We both look into this night, but from different perspectives. I have keener senses than you do. With my senses of hearing and smell, I can tell that there's a coyote right there beyond that clump of trees just waiting for me to go too far from the house. These mountains are filled with predatory birds, hawks, and owls. There's danger out there everywhere in the dark that I could sense, but you have no ideas even there. That is why you romanticize the night. I don't. I know the night for what it is, but you humans, all of your poetry, all of your art, all of your music arise from your weakness your desire to romanticize the night. <laughs> Manny, <laughs> you are right. Rule number three of using drugs. If the dog talks to you, listen. <laughs> Always listen to the dog. A wave of laughter interrupted my moment with Manny Moore, and I headed back inside to see what I was missing, and I had missed a lot. Someone had set the house on fire. <laughs> there was a line of all my friends lapping uproariously as they were shaking their beers, trying to squirt out the fire. Here, rule number four of using drugs came into play, and perhaps it's the most important rule of all. No one is to blame for anything, ever. It is a world without consequence. This rule, I believe, is the key to all addiction. Physical dependence can be overcome through abstinence, but drugs creates a more enticing arena 
where we become addicted to the drama of our own bad choices. I sat on the floor and watched my friends, the Christmas tree, the smoke. I thought about how different this was from that first Christmas so long ago in Bethlehem. <laughs> At least I hoped it was. The first rays of the sun came up over the Santa Monica Mountains. The night was over, the final rule of doing drugs. The sun will eventually rise. The party will eventually end. The return to the world of consequences and regret is inevitable. An inevitability, after all, was the bottom line. For the person who does not believe in God, for the person who has no faith, the handiest substitute for the eternal is the inevitable. And for that, the sun will do as well as any deity. I staggered out to my car. It was Christmas morning. The road would be empty. The highway would belong to me. I backed out of that dirt driveway, and as I headed for the main road, through my rearview mirror, I saw a patch of red moving through the tall brush. It was a bandana. I stopped and turned and looked, and rising through the dust, I saw Manny Moore. He was wandering off into the foothills, off to explore by light of day the dangers we could only romanticize at night. Stephen Tobolowski. I guess we could just end the show here. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to get a lot better than that, but uh, wow. Um, this is Live Wire Radio. We're going to soldier on because we're contractually obligated to do 60-minute shows. But um, I'm curious, uh, you have become so well-known, certainly in, in public radio circles now, for the Tobolowski Files, which is a podcast and also a radio show. Um, were you always, from a very young age, somebody who had a real knack for storytelling? Uh, I think the, the easy answer would be yes. The more difficult answer was when I was a child, I was a bit, uh, is the good word, a fabulist? Mm. I lied. <laughs> and I think the difficult part of storytelling was as I got older, I realized that truth always trumps clever. So as I got older, I just had to stick to my guns and make sure I told true stories. Are you tempted these days sometimes to gussy up a story a little bit? No. In fact, the opposite is true. If, if I find a story is not going the way it would dramatically be effective, if I just added that one little confrontation, oh, it would make it all so easy, I go, no, 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 no. Stick with what it is and see the difficulties you get into, and usually those difficulties will give you something even better. Uh, truth is... And people hear truth. When they hear the story, especially like my stories are so idiotic, that, that people recognize kind of the same bad experiences in their lives. Sort of. <laughs> Most of the people here were sent by a talking dog. 
That's why they decided to buy tickets to see Livewire, the Alberta Rose Theater. So they, they're on your wavelength, Tobo. This is Livewire Radio. We're talking to Stephen Tobolowski, the man behind the Tobolowski Files. Because you have mined your life and your experience for these really incredible stories, uh, are you at the point now when, when something really terrible is happening, some part of your brain is going, yeah, but this is going to be a kick-ass story? <laughs> yeah, I uh, had heart surgery. Uh, that, and uh, I was on the operating table uh, getting an angiogram, uh, this is before I went in for a triple bypass, and the surgeon looked up over me, and he said, like, wait a minute, you're Stephen Tobolowsky, aren't you? And I go, yes, yes, sir. He, he says, you're the guy who tells all the stories, aren't you? And I go, yes, sir. He said, am I going to be in one of your stories? <laughs> I said, well, that depends. <laughs> Well, you survived, and he made it in. He did. He made the final cut, yeah. Do you just have a... (laughs) There's no shame. This is public radio. (laughs) Puns are a perfectly acceptable form of humor on this show. have you always had a really good memory for details in stories? And, and I'm wondering, like, a guy like David Sedaris has come in for some criticism at times because he will write a really compelling story of his experience with something. And occasionally, the other people featured in the story will say, that's not how we remember it. Yeah, I, that's always true. It, it, I don't claim that my memory is journalistic. I, I, that's why I only try to tell stories from my point of view. And so what I do is I take notes. I've taken notes like my wife, Anne, over there. She, she will testify that we find drawers filled with all of my old notes. I was doing a bird on a wire the night that I had to fly back. Anne was going to give birth to our first child, and I was having dinner with Jeff Corey, great character actor, and I was saying, you know, my wife is very close to being pregnant. Uh, very, well, she was. <laughs> close to delivery, I think, is the technical term. Yes, if we're being technical about but, yeah, it. Yeah, medical term. And I, I asked Jeff, I said, do you have any advice for new fathers? And Jeff Corey says, yeah, three pieces of advice. Hold them, hold them and hold them. I know. I took out my crossword puzzle book and I wrote, hold them, hold them, hold them in the lines of the crossword puzzle. And we found the crossword puzzle book in the back house with hold them, hold them, hold them the other day. I always took notes. And, and that way you can help your memory. Even if you forgot the dinner with Jeff Corey, the hold them, hold them, hold them will bring it all back. Do you feel like you're more present in the moment than, say, the average person, or maybe less present because your brain might be thinking of what is the story potential of what's going on? No, I think, I think, that's a good question. I think I've always been very aware of what's going on around me because I grew up in a very scary environment growing up 
in, in Oak Cliff, uh, Texas, there was like danger kind of everywhere. Even though it was idyllic, it was dangerous too. So I think I was always on guard. And then I went into show business where I'm really in danger. <laughs> so then I'm totally on guard. So I, I think that made me aware is all. Well, I think we're pretty lucky for it because your books and also the Tobolowski files are just totally fascinating. So thanks a lot, Stephen. Thank you, sir. Stephen Tobolowski. <laughs> That was Stephen Tobolowski. Uh, only I am allowed to call him Tobo, just for the record. And this is Livewire Radio. Stay where you are because coming up, we're going to hear another song from Storm Large and Rodney Hicks, plus a sketch from our sketch comedy team. Don't go anywhere. It's Livewire Radio. The most precious metal for the most precious newborn baby. And I brought frankincense, the consecrated incense for the newborn king of kings. For the holy child, here is some myrrh. May this anointing oil always find him in good health. And I, uh, sorry, uh, I wasn't aware this was really a gift-giving occasion. <laughs> what? Um, excuse us for a second, Mary. What are you doing? You didn't bring a gift. We're seeing a holy child. You didn't bring anything? Unbelievable. What, what, how was I supposed to know he's a baby? What's he going to do with myrrh? That's not the point, Travis. It's a gesture to the family. You're a wise man, Travis, but you're a social idiot. Jeez, Travis. How is this going to look in the history books, Travis? Four wise men travel a great distance to pay honor to a new savior, and one of them forgets to buy a gift. That just sounds wrong. You guys should have told me. I've been carrying frankincense this whole time. I reek of frankincense. You didn't even think to ask what it was for. I just thought you liked the smell. I hate the smell of frankincense, but you don't show up to see a newborn savior empty-handed. It's a birthday party. At least bring a card. I think I have a year to give him a gift. I have a year, right? Where are they registered? You don't have a year, Travis. This isn't a wedding. Well, how much time do I have? Then what's the grace period on a new king of kings? Your grace period is now, Travis, today, okay? This is it. 
Hey, Balthazar, Balthazar, give me half of your myrrh. No way, it's my myrrh. I'll pay you half of what you paid. That's not the point. It's the thought that counts, and you would be stealing half of my thought. Can I at least sign your card, Mel Kaor? You can't just sign the card, Travis. I already wrote it. It's in my handwriting. It'll be obvious that you just tacked your name on at the end. Well, okay, guys, just stay here. I'm going to run to the store. I'll get something. You're going to run to the store. We walked six days to get here. There's no running to the store. Gaspar, buddy, give me your camel. No! Let me I'll buy you a new one. Oh, how? When? We're leaving in the morning. I don't see you offering your camel. I I need my camel, okay? I have a gig next week. You could ride back with me. I got a double humper. (laughs) Oh, great. Now you woke up the baby. Me? You're the one who was yelling. I don't think we've done enough. Let's just go. Oh, we've got to run. Something came up. Yeah, it's a beautiful baby. Yeah, I've got to get back to my thing at the place with the thing. Hey... I didn't get a chance to sign the guest board. Travis, now! Well, man, I guess that's one of those things can happen to anyone, right? Yeah, we don't have to mention it to anybody, though. Right, guys? We three kings, we're only three kings. Hey, what, 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 what? There's three kings, no what? no fourth king, we're just three kings. Guys, three kings, three kings, Seriously? three kings, three kings, Guys. Travis was never here. As Laura Faye Smith, Sean McGrath, Andrew Harris, and Stephen Tobolowski. Hey, Livewire would like to give a special thanks to our Northwest Radio partners for their generous support. 101.9 Kink, Progressive Rock Radio here in Portland, KUOW in Seattle, and of course our hometown host station, KOPB. Thanks, you guys. This is Livewire Radio. Closing out our holiday extravaganza is a stage actor and singer who appeared in the original Broadway productions of Rent as well as Jesus Christ Superstar and many off-Broadway and regional productions, including Portland Center Stage's 2011 production of Oklahoma. With a holiday classic for the ages, please welcome Rodney Hicks. With a little help from Stormlive. stars are brightly shining it is the night of our dear Savior's birth long lay the world and sin and narrow pining till he appeared and the soul felt his word a thrill of hope the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and 
glorious morn fall on your knees and Rodney Hicks and Storm Large here on Livewire Radio. 
And that's our show. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much to our guests, Storm Large, Rodney Hicks, Ophira Eisenberg, and Stephen Tobolowski. Our house band is Ralph Huntley, Jim Brunberg, and Dave Jorgensen. This show was made possible in part by our sponsors, New Belgium Brewing Company, Whole Foods Market, Ergo Depot, Laughing Planet Cafe, and Burgerville. Additional funding provided by the Regional Arts and Culture Council and Work for Art, the Oregon Arts Commission, and National Endowment for the Arts. And listeners like you, fine, beautiful people. Our hotel accommodations are generously provided by the Hotel Deluxe in Portland, Oregon. Our media partners are KUOW 94.9 FM in Seattle and Oregon Public Broadcasting, as well as kink.fm. Our executive producer is Robin Tenenbaum. The show is also produced by Courtney Hameister and Jim Brunberg. Our sketch comedy troupe is Sean McGrath, Andrew Harris, and Laura Faye Smith. Our head writer is Courtney Hameister with show writers Sean McGrath, Scott Poole, Jason Rouse, and me, Our guest writers this show were Alex Falcone and Andrew Harris. Sound effects by Jason Rouse. Our technical director is Jonathan Newsom. Our engineer is Graham Nystrom. Stage management by Will Fernandez. Special thanks to Revival Drum Shop. Livewire was created by Kate Sokoloff and Robin Tenenbaum. For more information about our show or how you can become a member of Livewire, please visit livewireradio.org. And you can download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Or you can find us at Twitter and Facebook at Live Wire Radio. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great holiday, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Wouldn't it be amazing to have a piping hot episode of Live Wire delivered right to your heart and ears each week? Well, guess what? That can happen when you subscribe to the Live Wire podcast feed. And you'll get the joy of surprising conversation every week. So go ahead and do it. It's super easy. You click on the button at the top of your podcast app and bam, you are Livewire subscribed. And if you're still, you know, feeling the love, if you're enjoying the show, hey, maybe you could hook us up and uh, leave us a quick review. That'll help more people find out about Livewire. And thank you.